Welcome to the Canny Dentist podcast, where today we are talking to Janine Brooks, who is um, a legend in the industry, has been around a very long time, has got lots to share with us. Janine, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Andrew. Makes it sound like I qualified in the Jurassic Age, but never mind. I'll forgive you for that. So, uh, so yeah, I'm a dentist, qualified Birmingham Dental School, 1983. Uh, I actually retired from the NHS back in June 2011. I was made redundant from a national role, but that gave me the opportunity to spread my wings, do something different. So I set up some businesses. Um, so I set up my own coaching and mentoring and tutoring consultancy. Um, I'd been a dentist clinician for 27 years, so it was about time to do something different, really. I still do lecturing. I do a lot of, as I say, mentoring and coaching. I work for the GDC. I'm one of their registration assessment panelists. Uh, I'm a director of the Dental Coaching Academy, trustee for the Dentist Health Support Trust, trustee for the NHS Retirement Fellowship, uh, author, I like to keep my fingers in the pie that is dentistry um, and anything that's interesting. I am definitely up for trying that. So my specific interests, as I say, are education, coaching, mentoring, medical ethics, uh, a fellow of the Academy of Medical Educators. So I like to sort of get the tickets for anything that I do to make sure that I do it as well as I possibly can. But uh, yeah, write extensively, got a few books out, got a few more in the in the pipeline at the moment. So yeah, really, really enjoying dentistry, have enjoyed dentistry for quite a little while. So I think our listeners would say that the dental profession is, is quite a stressful profession to be in. Um, you know, long hours, hard work, um, sometimes difficult things and people to manage. Have you had any kind of health or well-being challenges in your time, uh, you know, in, in dentistry, you know, particularly perhaps in the NHS? Yeah, I mean, Andrew, you're absolutely right. I do think dentistry is a, a stressful profession to be in. Um, I think you're working with patients who are often quite nervous, uh, frightened, perhaps don't even want to be in the surgery, and that can rub off after a while. Um, you can be out with friends and people will say, what do you do? And they don't mind responding by saying, I hate dentists, which, of course, after you've heard that about 250 <laughs> times, you begin to think they must hate me. Um, but we get over that. But it is stressful. You're, you're so right, um, both physically as well as mentally. I think that's uh, worth bearing in mind. It's a very physical um, profession and people will often uh, have difficulty with neck, back, uh, manual dexterity, eyes, which can impact on their practice, which can then impact on their mental health. And yes, um, while I was clinical director of a community dental service, I dealt with a number of health and well-being challenges. Some I dealt with better than others. Uh, a lot of this, I think, is experience that you build. Mm. Uh, is there one? Is there one in particular that stands out for you that that really? you know affected yeah. you yeah there is one that um yeah really really got to me saddened me um it was a dentist he was a fabulous clinician he was excellent at what he did um one of the people i could rely on definitely unfortunately he experienced a devastating personal loss it was awful loss of of his partner uh, in a in a very unpleasant uh, road traffic accident um 
he looked as if he was dealing with it at the beginning. He looked as if he was coping with it. Clearly, he wasn't. Um, over a period of time, I started to notice that he really wasn't able to complete his clinical work in the way that he had. If something wasn't perfect, he wasn't going to do it. So he wasn't finishing his treatment plans. He was really, really struggling. We were getting patient complaints. Other staff had difficulty. Long story short, he suffered a mental breakdown, uh, ended up in a, a local mental health facility on suicide watch, was extraordinarily poorly. The good news was he did recover with, with good treatment. He decided not to come back into dentistry. He felt that the stress of dentistry was more than he could cope with in his in his new um, sort of improved self, if you like. He set up in a different sort of aspect, a different discipline outside healthcare, and is absolutely fine. But that really brought home to me the difficulties that people have, the slide that they can have, how you need to keep an eye on somebody at the beginning. And if they look as if they're coping okay, they probably aren't. Um, I think dental professionals are good at putting a mask on for certainly for a while. And sometimes you've got to look beyond the mask. So yeah, yeah, that was, that was a difficult challenge. Mm. Do you think, do you think the profession is set up to support the personal challenges faced by people working in the profession? Mm. To cure its egg. So the answer is yes in parts. Um, there is some excellent support mechanisms available, but you've got to know about them. Um, and one of the things we find with dentistry is often people are quite isolated. So either because they work in a single chair practice, so that they're, they're on their own with just a, a few members of staff, or even if they are in a really large practice or a hospital department or whatever with lots of people around them, they can still fail to engage. So they can still be isolated, if you like, in their minds. Um, and interesting, if you look at uh, the characteristics of dental professionals on the whole, there are far more of them with a preference for introversion. Uh, you know, the, the preference for getting energy from themselves. Uh, and yet, interestingly, as a profession, you are giving your energy to your patients and you're working with patients and then they want to be actually on their own to recharge their own batteries. So they are isolated. They don't always find out about things. Plus, of course, since the COVID-19 pandemic, we've found that people aren't going to face-to-face -face meetings in the way that they used to. They've got used to remote working. So their continuing professional development is often done after work, in the evening, on the computer, instead of going to a meeting, meeting up with colleagues, having a chat, never mind what the subject was, having a chat, perhaps downloading a little bit about some of their anxieties. So I think actually face-to-face um, -face contact between each other is something that's only now beginning to come back. Uh, and, and some actually are still happy to remain isolated. So we've got to get out to people what's available for them, perhaps not just them, but their colleagues. Because often it's the dental nurse working with a dentist who notices the differences. Um, mm. And they can say, oh, you know, you're looking a bit, you're looking a bit down. You, you know, you're not as good as you, you know, looking as happy as you were. 
you know, what's going on. So often it's another member of staff. So we need to get the message out widely about all the things that are available. Mm. Um, you, you, you talked about your kind of your work in mentoring. Um, do you think mentoring is a useful way of helping people deal with some of these challenges that you mentioned? Yeah, I think it is actually, Andrew. I think, I think to be frank, everybody deserves several mentors, certainly throughout their career. Um, I feel it, it undoubtedly helps in many, many ways to be able to talk to a colleague who may not actually know you, which is another thing to bear in mind. Sometimes you want that isolate, that, that, that distance um, between yourself and the mentor that you're speaking with. Um, I mean, I use the skills I learned back in 2011 every day with mentoring. It's, it's about working with others, but also well, others can include your patients as well as other colleagues. So actually you end up having better conversations. You end up listening better. If you're properly trained, you're listening for more than just the words. You're listening for the emotion that goes behind it. And when somebody's got a well-being challenge, it's often the emotion that you're actually listening for to figure out just what is happening with this individual. So, yeah, I feel mentoring, it's it's one of these terms that now everybody uses. Everybody's a mentor. Anybody can mentor. It's easy. You go down the pub, you have a conversation with a colleague that's being mentored. That is a really sloppy use of, of the term and it undermines what it really does and the good it can do. So I think there's a massive difference between having a chat with your friends, brilliant, helpful, not a problem, but actually being mentored and or coached by somebody who really knows what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, I think everybody deserves a mentor. Do you think, do you think the profession is aware of what that involves and what the benefits are and you know is there a is there a way that people can find mentors quickly and effectively um short answer uh, no and no um i don't think as i said i think the term it's good the term is now in general use at least it's not a oh i haven't heard of that but it's what it does and what it entails i think that is lagging behind so People, people do think it's a happy little chat um, or it's teaching because, of course, part of mentoring is passing on skills that one person's got and the other person wants. So just doing that is teaching. That's not fully mentoring. So, again, I think there is a lack of understanding. And because of that, people don't value it if they've not tried it. Um I mean, I <laughs> I can remember telling somebody what my my, my annual uh, my, my an hourly fee was for mentoring, and they said, "Ooh, ooh, that's not what I. Uh, that's a bit more than I get." I said, "Yeah, well, when you've got forty odd years' experience in dentistry and you've been trained in it, maybe you know that'll be your hourly rate as well." <laughs> so there's this. It's got to be free. It's got to be cheap. Uh, well, what's the point in that? Yeah. If it's it's cheap. There's no value. Um, so I think you're right. I think there is a, we still need to show people the benefits. I, I remember when I was teaching, because I've, I've written two qualifications in it and trained about 60 people. 
And one person said to me, this is great, but when am I going to fit it in? It's like, well, you're not going to fit it in because this isn't an add-on. This isn't doing, this is being. Mm. So you be the whole time. So you will use it with your patients all the time. You'll use it with your colleagues all the time because you will have better conversations, better communication, better listening. So you don't do it, you be it, which is a, uh, a it's a, you know, it's an interesting, because if people think they've got to put aside X amount of time to do it, it doesn't fit into a busy day. Mm. You know, very few of us can carve out additional time. But um, no, anyway. that, that, that's true. Um, can you give us, give uh, our listeners an example of something that you've done in mentoring that's made a difference to somebody's life? It'd be interesting to share a kind of a tangible experience that you've had. Okay. Um, just to say there are three aspects that I do. I could do career mentoring. I do development, excellent men excellent, excellence mentoring. The vast majority of what I do is performance remediation. Um, and that is I work with dental colleagues and doctors who have a, a fitness to practice case. That really concentrates the mind. Um, and I work with people there to work through their fitness to practice case, through their hearing. So I help them with their PDP, help them with their continuous development, help them with their reflective statement, their insight, their self-awareness. So we build that in so that they can see what led to the hearing in the first place. They can make the changes they need to reassure the GDC. And of course, the real satisfaction there is to be able to is to be able to support somebody who came to you looking like a rabbit in the headlights and goes out at the end saying, well, I wish I hadn't had that referral, but I'm a better dental professional for going through the process. So thank you. I am now a better dental professional. I do better dentistry. I enjoy my role more. Might have been nice, you know, not to have had to go through the awful dark cave to get there, but we got there. Um, and there's huge satisfaction with helping a colleague who's been struggling and feels, I mean, one of the things we talk, we're talking well-being. My first conversation is, have you spoken with your doctor? What's the personal support that you've got? What's the professional support that you've got? You will feel anxious and depressed about this. We can help you with that as you go through. So I always highlight the well-being aspects um, when people come to me around fitness to practice. Wow, that's impressive. Um, I've got I've got two two more questions for you. Um, firstly, um, you know the platform that we're talking about and the platform that we're on, uh, Canny Dentist. How do you think this platform will be able to help the lives of people working in the dental profession? And it's important to say at this point that. The, the platform is is intended for everybody that works in dentistry. Yeah, no, great, Andrew. I, I think that's an important thing because we are a group. Um, we're a relatively weird group in society because we have <laughs> that oral health's important, you know, not so much everybody else outside it. Um, but I think I think that's a lovely thing that you just said, because the whole team then can be helping each other. As I said earlier, sometimes it's not the person who's got the well-being issue that realizes it at first. It's their colleague and their team that do. So that support is brilliant. I think it'll be great to bring everybody together so that they can share those insights, hints, tips that they've got. They can actually talk about health and well-being 
in a safe environment because they're talking with colleagues who understand the situations that they're dealing with. Sometimes people outside dentistry don't quite get it. They don't quite get the pressures and the challenges, whereas those in dentistry do. Busy people don't have a lot of time to seek out lots of different remedies from loads of different places. So I see this as being the sort of platform that that can come together in. And it's it's rooted in dentistry and rooted in fellow professionals, you know, sort of for the field, by the field. Um, and so there's that there's that automatic. I don't have to explain myself to you. So I don't have to give you the whole backstory because you've got the same backstory as I have to a large extent I just have to share the issue that I've got and we can talk about that and get on with it um, so I think there's massive potential here for people to be able to really share what's challenges pressures difficulties they're under but also get some remedies get to hear from people well have a look at that. I tried that. This is here. This worked for me. Go and have a look at that. Talk to this person. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. That's very reassuring and, and very helpful to hear. Now, my final question is a slightly random one. We're going to just pick a random question out of the ether just to put, you know, see what you see, what you think and see what you have to say. Um, what are the failures that you cherish the most and what have you well, learned from that? The failures I cherish the most, the times I fell flat on my face. Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, being relatively short, I don't have to fall that far, to be honest, Andrew. You know? <laughs> I have fallen on my I've fallen on my face more than once. Um, I think what you learn when you make a stupid mistake, whether it's that you you completely cock up a, a a project you're doing or you use the wrong language with somebody and you inadvertently offend people, um, you've got to fess up to it. So, you know, I'm sorry, look, I made a mistake here. Uh, I was wrong. I'd like to understand how I made that mistake because I don't want to make that mistake again. Um, so there's the humble pie that goes with it, which is sort of you've got to you've got to get over your embarrassment, which is another thing that comes with when you make an absolute hash of something. You're wildly embarrassed that that you've done it. So you've got to get over that. You've got to eat the humble pie. You've got to fess up to the fact that you made a mistake. You are sorry for the fact that you made the mistake. Help me make sure I don't make that mistake again. So, I mean, we all make little mistakes all the time. So I think that reflection bit is is really important and being able to say I, i'm i make mistakes i'm i'm fallible you know it's difficult actually when you are a professional to actually admit you've made a mistake because we're sort of honed to be this heroic person who can cope with everything who doesn't make mistakes who swan like goes through dentistry you know looking gorgeous and 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 you know you're enjoying everything when in fact often you're not but there's that added pressure to be able to say yeah i really fouled up with that one well yeah that's that's fair enough janine thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us um i hope our listeners have found it interesting and uh, anyone who has listened to this apologies if you heard the sound of a washing machine in the background that is uh, working from home, remote working um, writ large. Thank you. Um, pleasure. Thank you, Andrew. Great to talk to you.